and we're live with Be Green with Amy. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Be Green with Amy. I'm Amy. Since 2012, I have been coaching people to join me in achieving their plant-based lifestyle goals and weight loss goals and improved health. Please remember to post your questions for our guests. You can post comments. Tell us where you're from. You could even type in, be strong, be well, and be green. So just test voice. Let's welcome our guest. Carol Klawanski has lived more than 60 years being a slave to the scale. Dieting, losing, falling, and gaining, Carol has lost a total of 220 pounds and has maintained that weight loss for three years. Be Green with Amy welcomes Carol Klawanski. Greetings and welcome, Carol. Hi, everybody. Good to be here. Oh, I am so glad you're here. We have had such a buzz about your picture that you gave to me so that I could put that on our thumbnail for our broadcast. That is just such an amazing and inventive picture that you had. So why don't you maybe begin by telling our viewers and listeners about your journey, what your life was before this lifestyle and how you came across it? Well, first of all, that's really, I don't have any before pictures. You know, I've dieted for many, many years and I did all of the before pictures only to fail, do it again, another failure. When I started this, I just didn't take any pictures because in my mind, this was another diet. So I really didn't know what was going to happen. And um, I, I kept a pair of my super fat pants. And so that's why that's really the only picture that I have. Um, my story is not that unusual. Um, I was not a fat child. I was chubby at one point. I grew up in a very Jewish household um, with people who knew how to cook really well, particularly my paternal grandmother. Um, she was an amazing cook. She was an amazing baker. And that was back in a time frame when everything was cooked in schmaltz, which is rendered chicken fat. Woo, not really good for you. Um, there were lots of, and on my maternal side, I had a very Southern grandmother. Um, so she was good at some soups, but phenomenal at fried chicken in Crisco, which was fat in the can. And, you know, when we visited, breakfast was always bacon and biscuits and not the healthiest of things to eat. So as a child, I was not fat, um, chubby at one point. Um, lots of things centered around food. And in my family on both sides, there were a lot of both cardiac and diabetes issues. And my dad, who had been, um, before he went into the army, he had been a fireman on the railroad. He was very lean and trim. And when he came home from, he fought in World War II, um, over the years, he got very, very heavy. And um, my, my mother took on the role eventually of being the food police. But that was very common throughout the whole family. I mean, for a very long time, I thought that this was all in my genes. You know, there was all of this obesity, all of these other problems. In my journey, what I have learned is that it was the food. It was the way we ate. And it was a lot of the behaviors associated with food. 
Um, over the years now, particularly the last during during the pandemic quiet time, I've been able to do a lot of exploration of my food addiction, and I put that out there right up front. I am a hardcore food addict. I am a volume eater. I never differentiated or discriminated between sugar, fat, sweet, salty. I ate all of it, and I ate it in huge quantities. Um, I remember my paternal grandmother used to go to Atlantic City way before the casinos when it was really a wonderful place to be. Um, she used to go for the summers and eventually moved there on a full-time basis. And her two sisters and brother-in-law did. So I spent a lot of time with her, both before she moved and after she moved. So there was always all kinds of Jewish goodies around. And in my family, we had what came to be known as biggie rats. They were the people who were eating things and then lying about it. And it, it was very interesting um, to watch it. I, I recently kind of reconnected with one of my memories from uh, an incredible homemade candy store in Atlantic City. I was friends with the nephew of the owner. So everybody went to A.L. Roth on the boardwalk in Atlantic City, and it was homemade fudge, homemade toffee crunch. It was all kinds of things. My mom was thin, and she ate all of that stuff. So did everybody else. And they would buy boxes of it and keep it in the apartment. And people would take a little snibble here and a little bit there. And then somebody would say, well, who ate that? And nobody, nobody ever owned it. It was always funny. Um, I remember at home, um, I didn't know that my dad was also doing the same behaviors. And I loved kosher salami. We kept a kosher house for a long time. And kosher salami came in a tube, just fat laden, big chunks of fat in it. And I used to take it and take hunks of it off. What I didn't know was that my dad was doing the same thing. So it would get to a point now, this was after I was driving, where I would go out, buy a fresh one, cut off what I thought should be missing and put it back in the fridge. Um, but my mother was policing all of the food. Who ate this? Who ate that? Um, to back up just a little bit. Around the time I was probably 14 or so, and I looked back at pictures from that time frame, I was not fat. However, my parents started taking me to a diet doctor. Um, he was obese and he smoked and they gave you a shot every week and they gave you these funny little pink pills. And those pink pills were nothing more than methamphetamines. They were speed. And I can remember reading the Sunday newspaper in color, but it wasn't printed in color. Um, and, you know, I would lose some weight and then gain it back. Um, so that was not particularly successful. And because I, I know now that being policed with my food helped push me into what became my food addiction. Um, it certainly had something to do with some brain chemistry, um, but it was really much more behavioral. 
I, I'm a strong believer that when you are denied food, you will seek it out. Um, when we used to go to Atlantic City to visit, everybody got sandwiches for lunch except Carol. And I got cottage cheese and blueberries. And blueberries are my favorite berries. And it amazes me that I still eat them because that was what I was given. The rest of the family was given other food and Carol got her food. And their apartment was close enough that I knew the stores and the places to go to where I could get Philly cheesesteaks and all kinds of things, bakeries, things that were not, but I was just trying to eat what nobody was letting me have. And then once I started driving, you know, nothing was off limits to me. And I dieted on my own, lost weight, gained it, lost weight, gained it, um, got married, gained weight, lost weight, gained weight. I mean, I, I just, you know, um, yo-yoed up and down, but never to the point that I got to. I can remember in the 1980s, I probably weighed about 235 pounds. Um, it took me a lot of years before I got to my absolute heaviest weight. And I did overuse Anonymous and white knuckling it. I lost a lot of weight. I gained it back. Um, and then when the Fenfen drugs were released, the phenamine and Fenfluramine, I went to a doctor for that. And it was magical because from the moment I took the first dose, I had no appetite. I just didn't care about food. So in about nine months, I lost almost 100 pounds. What happened was that I found that I needed more and more of the dose to be able to maintain. And it really started to scare me. Yeah. So before the FDA recalled the combo, I got off of it. And of course, I started gaining and just kept right on gaining. Um, eventually, in the late 1990s, um, my mother and I purchased a home together. I had observed some things with her health. Um, I sold long-term care insurance, and that was my area of expertise. And I saw things, just little tiny hints with her that said, at some point, she's going to need some help. And it made sense to me to be living under the same roof. I was long since divorced. I didn't have kids, didn't have any of that responsibility. So we bought a home together and that was so she could age in place. And caregiving under the same roof with somebody who fought me every step of the way, you know, when she needed a cane, it was like, nope, she needed a walker, nope. So it, it really was a struggle. Um, I'm blessed that she had a very good long-term care insurance policy. I found amazing caregivers. However, when you're under the same roof, it was still a lot of responsibility. And I ate my way through a lot of that time. By somewhere around 2008, I remember getting on the scale one day and it said 350 pounds. And I don't know if the show um, my 600 pound life was on at that point. But I remember thinking to myself, if I don't stop now, I'm going to die. And my dad had passed away back in 1989. Um, he had quadruple bypass surgery 
way before it was common. And my dad was compliant. He lost a tremendous amount of weight. He kept it off. So way back in the mid-60s, we cut out red meat. We ate what everybody thought was healthier then was chicken, turkey, fish, a lot of vegetables. We always ate a lot of vegetables. Um, and we cut out a lot of the sugary desserts. My mom got very good at making substitute things. We always ate vegetables. We always ate fresh fruit. So that wasn't a real struggle. And, you know, walking into an ICU and the CCU and seeing my dad after quadruple bypass surgery, you know, with everything cut open, that didn't impact me. I mean, I saw things that just didn't push me to do what I needed to do. And I get by, by 2008, my mom died in 2009. And it took me about a year just to regain my footing from the exhaustion that I was experiencing. And I had, she had amazing caregivers. It really was just, I couldn't have asked for anything better. I kept her from not going to a facility she died in our living room in a hospital bed listening to an old Della Reese album. And, you know, that's always done my heart very well. Right. But it's um, still an enormous amount of stress. And that is what you turn to. You turn to the food to, I guess, self-medicate. I ate when I was happy. I ate when I was sad. I didn't need a reason. I just ate and I ate enormous volumes. Um, I mean, I could tell people things I ate and I traveled a lot for business and did breakfast buffets and all you can eat buffets. I was very accomplished at eating enormous, uh, I mean, huge amounts of food, but hiding how I was eating it. And uh, when I traveled in the mid eighties, um, I was on a corporate expense account if we weren't taking clients out for dinner, then I did room service. And I used to order enough food for two to three people. And my routine was that they would tell me how long it would be before the food would arrive. When it got close to that, I would turn on the shower, close the bathroom door. And then when they delivered the food, I was pretending that there was another person there to account for why I was eating all of yeah. that food. I've heard stories like that where people have done drive-through and they'd gone through the drive-through a few different times or gone to different drive-throughs so that they could order the amounts of food that they wanted without the drive-through people knowing. Oh, so I would say things like, well, you know, it's for the kids. I didn't right. have kids, but you know, there yeah. was always some excuse. Yeah. And it just, I, I lied, I cheated, I stole. It took me, I was in my 30s before I actually understood that I was a bulimic. I always thought that meant you had to binge and purge and I could never make myself purge. Right. Um, but I did diuretics and I stole those from family members to get their prescription meds. And I did laxatives and I also exercised compulsively. And that's a form of bulimia that most people don't know about. I mean, I was I was exercising five, six, seven days a week. Um, so I'm very, very, I have a very sordid history, but it's not unusual. It's very common. It's what a lot of us have experienced. 
Yes, I'm glad um, that you're sharing it because I, I think that a lot of people that are tuning in are kind of nodding to themselves. Either they are experiencing this or they know of somebody that is experiencing this. And there really needs to be some compassion for people that are going through these things because it's not what you want. Nobody wants to live like that. No. You know, and it was it was not a very good way to live. Right. And I always thought that I was healthy because I had just slightly elevated blood pressure. My doctor said with my cholesterol, now you're just borderline with that. And I did suffer from depression and anxiety, so I did take medication. But I always thought I was healthy. I was just, you know, a healthy fat person. What I've learned, and, and I'm so grateful to particularly Dr. Furman, Drs. Gregor, all of the plant-based doctors who put the science out there for us. Because for me, having learned what I've learned, I can't unlearn it. And that's part of what makes this sustainable for me. But I realized that I wasn't healthy. I was doing incredible damage to my body. And I had a lot of issues with inflammation. Um, and in 2011, I had osteomyelitis in my left great toe. That's a bone infection and probably due to inflammation. And the way you treat that is you amputate because otherwise you die. Um, that infection will spread through your body. So 10 years ago, almost 11 years ago, that left great toe was amputated. And you can do fine without other toes. Your great toe, that's your pivot, that's gait and balance. So it's really had a significant impact in my life. And I was diagnosed at the same time with autonomic, idiopathic, non-diabetic neuropathy. And we have no idea where it came from, but I live my life with my feet, treating them as if I was diabetic. So I do a lot of foot care. Um, I had huge amounts of visceral fat and that presses on your organs and that does its own damage. Um, I, I had enormous abdominal, lower abdominal fat um, the end, I was from, from about 2008, 2009, I was again dieting on my own. And I think by about 2012, I had dropped about 75 pounds and the end of December, I was watching PBS and lo and behold, there was Dr. Furman and I listened and it really resonated with me. It made sense. So I bought a couple of the books and I'm not always great about get the book, read it, do it. You know, I'm kind of like eh, half in, I'll do a little bit. And I was probably doing it about 50%. And so I had lost 75 pounds, got it to about 90 pounds. And then around 2016, I got stuck. I just could not drop another pound. So I took a look at more of the starch solution, um, found out very quickly for me, and this is only for me, um, when I ate unlimited amounts of potatoes, I quickly gained weight. So I learned that I have to do the legumes and grains and, and the greens, and that's really what works for me.
I'm glad that you mentioned that because there are different kinds of methods that people can use to approach the plant-based lifestyle. And just because one way doesn't work for someone doesn't mean that they should give up because oh, like you absolutely. said, there are certain things that work for some people and other people find other methods. So it was good that you explored that and mentioned that to people because there may be people that are doing one type and following one type of doctor and not finding success in that could be that they just need to make some tweaks. I'm glad you said that. And, and mine's been a journey. I'm, I'm continually tweaking my food. One of the tools that I've used for a very long time is a food journal. Um, even in the throes of the worst of my food addiction, I was journaling and I just, you know, people ask what kind of journal. It's just a plain, simple notebook. Staples had these on sale a couple of years ago. I think I paid 25 cents for them. And the, the top portion of the page is where I write my food. And I wrote my food even when I was eating crap. Mm -hmm. And more in, the, in probably the last five or six years, the bottom is where I write my feelings, my emotions, what are the things that are going on. And I do this religiously every single day without fail because it keeps me accountable. And, you know, people have said, well, who do you have to be accountable to? Myself. And that's what I've always done. So when I got stuck, I went into my journal, I took a highlighter and I started circling things. And I realized that I was eating enormous amounts of vegan junk food. You know, you can say it's vegan. It just wasn't healthy. So it was March 31st of 2017. I had, I made a commitment. I was maybe 70% nutritarian at that point. Um, which oh, can is, I, I just want to put a pause for those of you who are listening and watching and you if you haven't heard of the word nutritarian that is a word that Dr. Joel Furman coined to describe the type of lifestyle that he promotes which is more than just a whole food plant-based lifestyle it's basically every morsel that you put in your mouth is either going to promote good health or promote poor health and he also has g-bombs which is another an acronym that he uses. Do you want to? You're nodding. You want to tell everybody what G bombs is? Green, and you have to eat your G bombs every day. It's yes. greens, beans, onions, mushrooms, berries, and seeds. Um, and he resonates with me because it's science based. It's not do it because I tell you to do it, or do it because it's what I think. Um, Nutritarian way of living is nutrient dense. And when I eat and when anybody eats nutrient dense foods, you're automatically eating low calorie foods. Um, and the way I eat today is not how I ate then. And I'm actually going to show what one of my meals looks like today. March 31st of 2017, I made a commitment because I realized anything less than 100% just does not work for me. So I said 100% and I'm probably 110% now because I, I really am very, very cautious with what I do. And I also am SOS free. I don't eat anything with sugar, oil, salt, caffeine, alcohol, flour. And there are very few, the only processed foods I use 
are processed foods that meet this particular lifestyle. Dr. Furman has some foods. You have Mama Says, um, Wellbeing, Well Your Word. So there are choices that make my life a little bit easier. I don't always have to make everything from scratch. At that point, um, the weight started to peel off. It was amazing how quickly I started to drop a lot of weight. And then June of 2017, I also began doing intermittent fasting, which is where you eat within a time restricted window. And I basically, and I only eat two meals a day. And I, I've done that ever since then. It's just part of how I live. Um, I don't eat when I first wake up in the morning. I eat somewhere around 10, 1030. Um, and I'll explain what I eat. And then my second meal is somewhere between one and four. It depends upon what my schedule is, what I'm doing, what other commitments I have. So from that time, the weight just started to peel off. And the next thing I knew, um, within a couple of years, I had released 220 pounds, um, which I don't even see myself as that 350 pound super morbidly obese person. And people who meet me now don't know that I was this enormous person. They see me as a very thin person. And I will say having lost that much weight, I do have excess skin. Um, I have no intention of having surgery. I will be 74 next month. So to subject myself to multiple major surgeries does not make any sense to me. Um, I, I've learned how, you know, to wear sleeves and, and things like that. And um, I know some people who have had surgery and had problems with infections. I know other people, they've been very happy with it. So it's a personal choice. What I am going to do is go to a plastic surgeon so that they can tell me how, if I was going to have the skin removed, how much would be taken off? Because I think when I get on the scale, I now weigh right around 135 pounds. I think my body is actually considerably less than that because of the excess skin. Um, but I, the, the surgery just does not make any sense for me. Um, yeah, I saw somebody that talked about it. And I think for their situation and everybody's different, it was 20 pounds. And it so. wouldn't surprise me. I sometimes say, oh, I think it's maybe this, maybe that. But I don't spend a lot of time looking in the mirror. Mm -hmm. I know where I have ripply hanging skin, but it's not like, you know, it hangs down over my shoes. Mm -hmm. So at some point, I'm going to do that just for my own edification and to know that. Um, I used to get on the scale a lot. I don't anymore. Um, I weigh myself maybe once a week, maybe once every other week. And I've learned that that number is not a true number anyway. It can vary depending upon water, when you went to the bathroom, all kinds of things. So I don't get real upset about it. I do, if you know, the scale will go up two pounds, it comes down a pound, it goes up a pound, it comes down three. So I generally stay within that same area. Um, it, it's just, it's a set of numbers and 
Even throughout the pandemic, I did not gain any weight at all. And I didn't change what I eat and how I eat. Um, I've, I've attended several of Dr. Furman's summer getaways and they were wonderful for me. It was delightful to have all compliant food prepared for six days without my having to do it. Um, because of the pandemic, there was no getaway in 2020 or this year. So we'll see moving forward. Um, I've also attended the NHA conference, the National Health Association. I attended that in 2019. Yeah, we had Mark and Wanda Huberman on the show. And they're right. Um, yeah. Didn't go in 2020 because they didn't have it. This year I attended virtually and I love doing it that way. It worked very well for me. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what my story is. I mean, there are lots of ins and outs. I could, I could shock people with some of my food addict stories and what I ate and how much of it I ate. I mean, it was not uncommon for me to order an extra large pizza with extra everything on it. And within the course of an hour or two, consume the whole thing. Um, you know, I was always glad that they didn't invent the three pound bag of M&Ms when I was still eating M&Ms because a one pound bag was just, that was nothing. I mean, I could open that, it was gone in a couple of hours. And things I would, I would buy unsalted peanuts at Trader Joe's, a one pound bag and tell myself, well, that's for cooking, except I didn't make anything that had peanuts in it. And I knew as soon as I opened it, I would eventually consume the bag. My mind is portion distortion, one bag. So even a bag of air popped popcorn, one bag is one serving. So there are a lot of foods that um, I just don't bring in my house because of that. And I'm very cautious with that. It takes a lot to look at yourself and know yourself. And I guess that journal that you that you kept, would you be willing to, you can think about it, don't answer me now, but maybe you might want to read the feeling part page on one of maybe the earlier ones, but I'm not sure if you want to do that. But I think that- I, I keep them for a year and then I get rid of them. I don't keep them forever and ever. I figure if somebody got their hands on them, first of all, they wouldn't understand what it is. And I would have had a room full of them by now. That's true. That's great that you were just, yeah, very committed. For a lot of people, especially when they recognize that the, the food has taken over their lives and that it's not their fault, but there's something going on that the food is controlling them and they have to learn how to control the food and to be that diligent every day writing in the journal. And I think that it, that's a really great way to look at it because people are looking for some accountability partner, like you said, but I have three adult children. As I raised them, I always said to them, who's your best friend? And some, when they were young, they would name somebody and I'd say, no, you're your best friend. Right. Because you're the only one that's going to go to the end of the line, whatever it takes to do what you need to do to, to make sure that you have the best outcome. And so I think that you discovered that as well. Like you well, if I, I, you know, as a food addict, I, I lied to everybody else, but I had to be honest with myself. I mean, I, I knew what I was doing. I, I knew what the behaviors were. It, it showed up on the scale. I mean, there was just no hiding it at all. You know, when the scale says 350, you can't say I'm eating feathers. Um, you don't get to 350 just eating feathers. Um, 
And the other thing is, um, if people are not familiar with neuroadaptation, once you start eating in a different manner, particularly in this manner, your taste buds change radically. And when I think about some of the foods that I ate, I can't even imagine eating them. The taste of them to me now would really be unpleasant. I mean, I could go out and buy, I loved carrot cake and I could buy a whole carrot cake and it would be gone in two days. A sickening sweet icing. I can't even imagine it now. Those foods, they don't compute for me anymore. When I think about what I want to eat, I want to eat my veggies and my salads and my beans and my fruits. So that kind of gets me to how I eat today. And I will tell people this is not how I ate five years ago. This has been a process. It continues to be a process for me. I'm always looking at, you know, what am I eating? How am I eating it? When am I eating it? I try to finish eating by no later than six o'clock. And that's actually pretty late for me. I really prefer to finish by three or four. And that allows my body at least five hours for the digestive process to work so that by the time I'm ready to go to sleep, my body is done digesting and I go into the healing restorative stage and it allows me to get a better night's sleep. Um, today, I had tasks to do in the morning, so my first meal was a little bit later than usual, and I knew that I was doing this, so I won't eat my second meal until we finish up with this. So it'll be a little bit later for me, but I'll still finish within that time frame. And I'm glad you're talking about that too. For people that have not tried this lifestyle or aren't familiar with it, it's something that just doesn't make sense because if you eat the standard American diet, you're typically usually hungry and don't want to go too far in between meals before you're thinking about eating again. So for somebody that has not tried this lifestyle, the thought of going longer than maybe two hours, and I'm one of them because before I began eating this way, if I didn't eat every two hours, I got shaky, I got headaches, and it was not very pleasant to be around. <laughs> so that this is something that happens to you when you eat healthy food. And also when we eat these foods that Carol's talking about, they have a lot of fiber. And so they really fill you up. And when we eat foods like beans, they're long lasting. Beans are like a log on the fire instead of putting tissue paper on a the fire. They last a long time in your digestive system and they keep your insulin levels pretty steady, which is right. great if you have diabetes. After you've neuroadapted and after you've had this lifestyle for a while, you don't obsess about food and you're and you don't get these signs, which Dr. Furman coined another term, which is called toxic hunger. You don't get toxic hunger. You get true hunger when you're hungry. And I often tell people it's kind of like thirst. If you are thirsty, you don't get a rumbling in your tummy. You feel a funny feeling in the maybe in the back of your throat or on your tongue or maybe on your lips. That's the kind of feeling that people who have a true hunger, is what Dr. Furman calls it, he says that many people will feel like a little warm feeling right around here in their throat. And that took me a long time, almost, you know, at least five years before I even 
identified with that feeling. But the toxic hunger did go away uh, very quickly. How was your experience with toxic hunger? Well, I did a lot of snacking and grazing. I used to eat a lot in front of the TV at night. Um, and I'm not sure if it's the combination with the intermittent fasting. For me, when I finish my, my second meal, I go in the kitchen, I clean up, I brush and floss, and the kitchen is closed. Food does not come back into my life. Sometimes now I will do some food preparation for the next day, but I don't even need to take, you know, it's like I, I will cut up vegetables. Um, I do a local community, um, community supported agriculture farm share. So I may do some of that washing and putting things away at night, um, but I don't eat at night and I don't have cravings. But that's also because I eat such a volume of food, I, I don't need the other food. And one of the things the pandemic allowed me to do was to bring mindful eating into my life. Now, I am retired, so I have the time to do this. Um, my first meal in the morning from start to finish takes me about an hour or so. My second meal, once I have it prepped, takes somewhere between 60 and 90 minutes to eat. And that's because I'm not sitting in front of the TV. I'm not doing anything else. I'm really focusing on my food and the tastes so that I enjoy what I'm eating. Um, and that's made a big difference. And people will say, oh, I don't have time to do this. You'd be amazed where you can find time. And as I said, I didn't start out doing this. It took me a while. My Dr. Furman says your salad should be bigger than your head. And my salads were that size initially, but I'm going to show you what my salad looks like now. And um, I've gone to several um, community potlucks and even at one of Dr. Furman's getaways where I had my salad and somebody said, are you going to eat all of that? And at the getaway, I said, yeah, and I'm going to go back for more because they weren't enormous plates. When that, I was that, doing that's my the pat on the back that we all want to hear. We just want to sit down at a table amongst other people and we want to hear somebody say, are you going to eat all of that? Because when they say that, we know we are on track and we are doing the right thing. Absolutely. And it's it's all healthy food. You know, it's nutrient dense, so it doesn't have a lot of calories to it. And it is really funny. I mean, I, I have a container that I would use to go to my community potluck. And one woman said it was, you know, sitting in front of me. And one woman said, oh, you brought that to share with everybody. And we all had to laugh because the people I was sitting with knew that that was my salad. That was not shareable, folks. Do not touch that or I'm going to have to hurt you. <laughs> so, you know, it's just, it's, it's very funny. And a lot of people do not eat the way I do. And that's fine. You have to find what works for you. I think what's important is there is a way that will work for you. You know, what I do today is not what I did in 2017. And I'm continually learning, I'm continually reading. I go back to Dr. Furman, um, I, Dr. Greger, Neil Barnard. I mean, there's such, Michael Clapper, there are so many whole plant food docs out there who bring us the science and help us stay on track. And it's a good reminder for me. 
So here's what I eat. Um, my, my first meal of the day, this, this is the bowl that I use. And I water saute, um, I always start with onions and I buy organic as much as I possibly can. I water saute onions, peppers, mushrooms, and garlic. And the pan that I use is quite large and I get two days worth out of it. Yesterday and today it was green beans and cauliflower. And that's the bowl. And so to let, to let everybody know, you say you water saute, which means that you do not cook with oil Absolutely and it is actually not. possible to not burn your food when you're putting it in a frying pan or a wok. You just need to put a little bit of water in there and mix it up. And if it's sticking, just add a little bit of more water and, uh, and deglaze it and you're going to be fine. So go ahead. And, and I've gotten really good at the water sauteing. I mean, it's how I cook. I don't have, there's no oil in my house. I think I actually have avocado, a little container of avocado oil, but that's to put on my skin for dry skin. Other than that, years ago, and I had quite a collection of different oils. Um, I got rid of all of them. Now I am a vinegar junkie. So when you open my pantry, I probably right now have between 25 and 30 different flavors and varieties. I've always loved vinegar. And eating this way, I actually can taste. Right now I'm using a Danjou pear um, vinegar. It's not a thick balsamic. I, I use multiple vinegars. I can actually taste that in my salad. So that was the first part of my meal. And then within about a half an hour after that, I eat, I have, I drink a smoothie um, and my smoothie is this morning. It was kale and Swiss chard, um, a small banana, wild frozen, wild blueberries, um, frozen organic cranberries. It was the first time I used cranberries and I really liked it. I enjoyed it. I used fresh ginger, ground ginger. I make my own hemp milk. I use a Nutribullet for it. And then I add to that um, flaxseed, chia seed, vanilla bean powder, turmeric, cracked black pepper. And I use a beet boost product. I eat a lot of beets and the beet boost product is good increasing your nitric oxide levels. I do that in the Nutribullet. Um, I bring it to room temperature because having lost all of this weight, I used to sweat year round made no difference. Dead middle of winter, I was sweating like, oh my God, losing the weight, I get cold. And if I get really cold, I can't warm up easily. So I let my smoothie sit at room temperature so that I don't send myself into cold spasms. And then I clean up and I'm pretty much done with that. Um, one of the things that I do, I have devised what I call a crunchy mix. Um, it took me a couple of years to figure it out. And I now use, this is a 42 cup Tupperware bowl. I used to use a 32 cup. I graduated to the 42 cup. And what I put in it is I chop up red cabbage, green cabbage, turnips, radishes, sugar snap peas, carrots, celery, and broccoli slaw. And again, all of them organic. Um, and I crisscross paper towels on the top of 
the bowl, cover it, and that will last in my fridge anywhere from 10 days to two weeks. So it makes some of my salad preparation much, much easier. Then when it's time to make my salad, my salad today has bok choy. And I always loved, sort of, I love Chinese bok choy when it was done in all the oils and everything, but I love sauteed bok choy. And a couple of years ago, I started eating it raw and it's wonderful. I use both the large and the baby bok choy. So it's bok choy, arugula, um, leafy lettuce. That's what I got at my CSA last week. Um, I had fresh basil, so that went in. Two big hand, hands full of the crunchy mix. And um, I have to stop and think in the order that I do this. Um, I either add sunflower seeds or pumpkin seeds. And this is the raw and unsalted. What? The sunflower seeds or pumpkin seeds are raw. Oh, they're and all un raw and unsalted. No, no, no salted. I really keep that out of. Um, and again, I'm still eating the blueberries, even though it was a restricted carol food when I was growing up. Um, I add a little bit of a no salt seasoning, cracked pepper. I use dulse granules, so I'm getting the iodine and um, turmeric. I really like the taste of a little bit of turmeric and I love smoked paprika. And then what I add are what I call the wet ingredients that I wouldn't put in my crunchy mix because if I did, it would get slimy and I won't eat a slimy salad. Does not work for me. So then what I add is some kind of cucumber, mini sweet peppers, um, broccoli sprouts, and I don't sprout my own. It's just one person, so it's a lot of work. I buy them organic at Whole Foods. Um, Today, I cut up an heirloom tomato in it. Um, right now, I'm using an organic um, vacuum sealed beet. When I get fresh beets, I'll use those. Um, I use about two tablespoons of um, fermented sauerkraut because that's good probiotic. It's good for your digestion, but only a little bit because it's a little bit higher sodium. Um, I add scallions. Um, I make my own pickled red onions and I add those. And then I have a mishmash of dressings that I add. And I use a little bit of Grand Reserve balsamic. I make my own salad dressings. And the one I use today is a caraway dressing. That's one of Dr. Furman's recipes. It's from the apple bok choy salad. I loved Jewish rye bread with caraway seeds. So eating this with the taste of the caraway seeds is really wonderful for me. It's one of my favorite dressings. Um, I've used his bottle dressings. Well Your World also has SOS free dressings, but mostly I make my own. I also make my own soy yogurt in the Instant Pot. And I've recently started straining it so it's thicker, more like Greek yogurt. I add maybe two tablespoons to the salad. It makes it nice and creamy. I mean, it's amazing all these different tastes that go into it. Um, as I said, today I'm using Danjou pear um, vinegar, and I'm trying to think. I love mustard, and I use the West Gray no sodium added stone ground mustard. So I actually squirt three or four dollops of the mustard on the salad 
and it just gives it this nice little kick. Um, and this is my salad bowl. It is a seven quart eco-friendly bowl. Can you all see? Can it's you see beautiful. It? Oh, that bowl is just what what, what so you can understand why somebody would look at it and say that's for a family of that's four. for your dinner party right <laughs> it's for me and it will take me a while to eat it where did you get that bowl i actually stumbled into onto the bowl one day at whole at wegman's they were putting a display out it's an eco-friendly bowl um they never had it again I just recently ordered a new one and I got it at Amazon. I can give you the information okay, later. Okay, so we can share it with everybody. It's great beautiful. salad bowl. It's just wonderful. I, I would just I love to bring that to a gathering part. and just plop it down. It's just, it's wonderful. I mean, it makes so me show happy. it to us again. Show it to us again because I want people to see. I don't even know how much that weighs. <laughs> well, it's a seven quart bowl. Seven quart bowl. And yeah. I'm guessing because I, at one point I did weigh the bowl. My salads come in easily at five to six pounds. Yeah. My veggies. You'll be able to maybe toss it a little bit just with that. Oh, I will. Just to show, I, no, just to show us kind of what it looks like because we're just seeing the top view. Could you just kind of do that once or twice to the camera? Just yep. pick up the bowl and tilt it a little bit if you can just show. And then maybe if you can pick up the, yeah, just to kind of show and I us. I just toss it. I mix everything around really well. Ah, oh, look how colorful that is. Oh, and, and you it get, smells so good. It's yeah. amazing. Right. So this yeah. is not about eating carrot sticks and celery sticks. This is about flavor. Well, this is about crunch. And being satisfied and feeling full. Oh, when I'm done, I am full. I am. I'm just. But I'm. I don't feel stuffed and uncomfortable. Now, right. before I eat my salad, um, I eat fruit, and I've got four different fruits today. I've got some fresh cantaloupe that I got from my farm share, some red seedless grapes, and some, and they're all organic, and a couple of small black figs. The other thing I've discovered. Dr. Furman has um, popums. They come in a little jar. A serving size is two of them. There was a long time when if I brought the jar in the house, I opened it and ate the whole thing. So they left my house for a long time. I very carefully and cautiously brought them back. There are two flavors that I particularly like. Serving size is one, is two. I only eat one. I like having that little bit of not too sweet taste because it's nothing like what I used to eat. And then Wellbean has products. This is a vanilla carob brownie nugget, and it's got goji berries in it. And I love goji berries. So I eat that. It gives me that little bit of sweet taste, but it's not what I eat last because I don't want sweet in my mouth when I'm done. The other thing you don't see in the salad today because I usually put my my beans, grains, I make soups and stews. They go right in my salad. It doesn't make any difference for me. I just put everything in the salad. Today, what I'm having, I, I think you can see it. These are jicama wraps that I got at Trader Joe's. And I made Kathy Fisher's from her Straight Up Food Cookbook, Tuno Salad. Oh, so we, had, we had Kathy on the show. She is she's wonderful. 
She is wonderful. And all her recipes are SOS free. So I've got my four jicama wraps. I do have a carrot and mm -hmm. some celery. And this was fresh corn from my farm share last week. Now, is and that steamed corn or is it just, is it raw? Oh, I, I used to, in my previous home, um, I lived across the street from a farm. And when they were growing their own farm, I used to stop at their produce stand and it was fresh picked from the field. To me, there is only one way to eat fresh corn and that's raw. So at the years of boiling it and drenching it in, and the butter used to drip down your arms, I love it raw and that's the way I eat it. And a lot of foods, like I don't even cut the corn off of the cob and mix it in things. I've become very much a purist and I really like the taste of what I'm eating in its whole state. So that's kind of the way I eat. And it will take me at least an hour to an hour and a half to eat. And again, that's because I'm gonna stay focused on what I'm eating. So I don't, for those of you who are not doing this or you're trying this, do not be put off by what I do and how I do it. You will figure out the pieces as you go along. My salads years ago were probably this size. They, I, they've graduated, they, they've gotten their diploma and I'm very happy with it. And there are times when I get a little heavy, I have a little bit more lettuce or a little more cucumbers and there are times when I go, that salad was a little too big. You know, I, I need to cut back a little bit. Yeah, I've learned how to judge my own body. When yeah. I'm finished, Got when it. I'm finished that meal, I will clean up in the kitchen and then I'm done for the day. I write down the time I start and the time I finish. And then I look at the window of time. And again, I stay pretty much within a seven hour window for eating. And then the rest of the time, my body is not processing food. And that's my story. And I'm going to stick with it. <laughs> well, it's a wonderful story. And, and so many people are commenting. Colleen says, I went to, oh, she went to NHA conference this year. It was great. Yes. And Jesse T said, ooh, crunchy mix sounds delicious. Great idea. I think it was apple hi apple wow that's a great salad tip i really think that that is was a great salad tip because it took me a couple of years yeah. to develop my crunchy mix i just kept working with it and working with it and figuring out what will say i get about i now i will make a fresh bunch of crunchy mix tomorrow when i emptied the bowl out today i still had another serving for tomorrow so at some point during the day tomorrow I will make my fresh batch. It used to take me a really long time, but I've been doing it so long now, I can get it all done within about 45 minutes and it's time well spent. Yeah, because you're in touch with your food, you're living intentionally. And Dr. Furman, one of his books was called Eat to Live because a lot of people are just living to eat. And this way, when you're sitting and you're taking your time I imagine it's a lot of it is because you're chewing and you're not just gulping down food. You're chewing, probably you're chewing your food to a cream so that you yes. can get all those nutrients out of it that are going to help you. But just to be intentional, because I think that we should take some time to be grateful 
that we have access to food that has high nutritional value, most of us have access to that in one way or another, even if it's to get something frozen. So to be grateful for it and live intentionally, I think that does a lot for you, not just the food that you're eating, but the state of mind that it puts you in. What would you say about that, Carol? Well, and focusing on what I'm eating lets me taste things. I mean, I'll take a bite and go, oh, that's the, that's the mustard. Oh, that's the caraway dressing. Oh, I always forget. I, I add blueberries and pomegranate arrows in my salad when I can get them. And I, I buy frozen organic sometimes. Oh, that's the crunch of the pomegranate arrow. Um, my salads probably have at least 25 to 30 ingredients. And I love them. If I'm hungry, if for some reason I don't have my salad on a given day, that day is just off for me. I mean, sometimes mm. appointments and things, I have other meals that I will use if I'm not going to be able to do the salad. But I, my salads are phenomenal. They're just wonderful. I agree. It looks phenomenal. I make a big salad. Well, I try to make up, my husband Rick is doing this with me also. So I make up six salads at a time. And I love just going through the process of cutting. And as the time goes by, you get more proficient and you get in your routines. And when I used to look at my hands cutting things on the cutting board and I would say, okay, make sure that the flat side of this is down so it doesn't wobble over and oh, be careful, watch your fingers. And now, you know, because I've been doing it for so long, it's just an automatic kind of thing. Do you use anything besides a, a kitchen knife and cutting board? Yeah, no, I use, um, what is it? The Vidalia Pro Wizard Chopper. Uh -huh. And I use that for my turnips and my radishes. I actually hand chop my carrots and celery to put in. I find it's actually faster than having to cut and then use the Pro Wizard um, sometimes I cut the snow peas if they're too big. Most of the time, I just throw them in a hole, you know, and then I do the work in chewing it. Dr. Furman says, make sure you masticate your food, which is always funny. Chew it to a liquid state. And Dr. Clapper says, chew, chew, chew your food to a cream. So you can get the nutrients and also to digest it well. Well, it looks like we have- And I, I do add, a I add one walnut half broken up in my salad because that increases the absorption of the micronutrients in the greens. Excellent. So Apple, I think, had a question. May I ask a question? Does Carol have any overt fats in her diet, such as nuts or seeds? Thanks. We kind of talked about it a little bit, but why don't you go ahead and answer? I make my own hemp milk for my smoothie. And I use flax and chia in my smoothie. Um, so I do get it. I don't use a lot of avocado. Um, most people don't realize that a serving size of an avocado is about a fifth of an avocado. And it's too easy to eat more than that. I will make an avocado salad dressing sometimes. But the fats that are in my diet are the healthy fat. Now, we didn't talk about this. Colleen has a great question. Did she exercise at all? Yes, um, because of the toe amputation and the gait and balance issues, I've been doing seated exercise for probably 10 or 11 years. And I was very lucky that the place I do my exercise classes, we've done them virtually throughout the pandemic. So I sit in front of my computer and I've actually gone up in weights during the pandemic. So I do exercise. 
um, again, because of the gait and balance issues and the neuropathy, going out and going for a long walk is really challenging for me. So exercise is just important and I look forward to it. And there are all kinds of exercise. Well, that's wonderful. And, and I'm glad that you said that because for some people, they have other issues that are coming up where they can't walk or get around. I'm glad that you have it by your computer. I think everybody should have some hand weights by their computer so that, or if they're watching TV by the TV. And you showed that you can still get exercise without having to worry about walking or using your legs. That's a wonderful thing because there's a lot of people that may have some challenges. There's yeah, somebody... my pillars of health are food, sleep, and exercise. And sleep is a critical component. Yeah, more and more sleep is, there's a lot more research coming and it even sometimes seems that sleep might even trump diet in some cases. So it is really important to get your rest. We have somebody that's watching now that wants to say hi, and I want to make sure that she gets that, and that's Kathy Cook. Hi, Kathy. Kathy. Carol, thanks for telling your story. I'm so glad that we became friends. I met Kathy and her husband at the NHA conference in 2019 in Cleveland. And I have a plant-based group here where I live, and that's how I met Kathy, because she's in my plant-based group and she's also there's a nutritarian group that kathy is in right in so sarasota we, yeah yeah so we got to meet that way and i want to thank kathy and then if you guys click like you can thank kathy too because she's the one that suggested that i contact carol and carol is kind enough to to come on and tell her story and actually, it was at, um, in I think, 20, 2018, 2017, 18, um, Dr. Furman's getaway was at um, the Saddlebrook Resort outside of Tampa. I think that's where I met Kathy and her husband. Kathy's just awesome, and, and her husband, Tom, is awesome, too. And hello to Kathy and Tom. If you, Yeah, Tom and I met him. some of the Sarasota Nutritarians, too. Yes, yes, they, they are really very wonderful people. Kelly wants to know, are you SOS free? If so, what do you use to substitute for salt? So you said that you are SOS free, which is sugar, oil, and salt free. What do you like to use? Because I use the um, Costco Kirkland salt substitute. I'm not that fond of it. I bought a great big container. So when it's done, I won't. I use all kinds of other spices and herbs. I don't crave salt anymore. It, it's just very interesting. So I eat celery. Celery's got salt in it. Um, I, I don't miss it. It's just not part of my life. Which is pretty amazing because in your childhood, a lot of the foods that you ate were high in, and high in sodium. And sugar. Oh, and boy. Sugar. Yeah. I mean, all those baked goodies. Mm -hmm. And I also don't do caffeine, alcohol, or flour. Um, I may process chickpeas to make a chickpea flour if I'm going to make something, but no white flours and no processed foods. Right. But this didn't happen overnight. This is no. something that was a work in progress and that you went 50% and then finally you realized that that wasn't going to do it. And you still are tweaking and, and discovering things about this. So if you're listening or watching, don't worry about just being one way and always being that way. There's some tweaks that you're going to do. And when you watch broadcasts like this, you'll learn from people that are actually doing it and being successful. Ginger wants to know, do you prefer garlic powder or granulated garlic best? Is there a particular reason for your preference? I use both. I use fresh um, garlic in my water sautés 
when I'm cooking, I use granulated garlic. It just depends. I use both. Um, I, my spice pantry is you open it up and it's pretty significant. Right. So it seems like a large variety of spices and vinegars are in your arsenal. Yes. Carmen wants to know, did you ever plateau and how did you stay motivated? Yeah. I plateaued back around 2016 um, when I had hit just about a 90 pound weight loss. And I had shared that early on. Um, I went back to my journal, realized that I was eating a lot of vegan junk food. When I committed to being 100%, the weight really started to peel off. And I've held steady now where I am for the last three years. You know, the scale goes up a pound, goes down a pound, but I stay right around the same weight. And I think that some people do go through those plateaus and that's when sometimes I think that food journal really helps because then you can say, what maybe do I need to change here to get me through the plateau if it's going on for a very long time? And but mine lasted about a year and a half. It was it was a long time. And I learned a lot during that time. I didn't give up. I just kept trying different things. So um, and as I said, I, I continue to tweak it. Jen wants to know, what are your top must-have kitchen gadgets? For me, um, I use my Nutribullet every day. I'm cooking for one person. So it's very different than, you know, multiples and larger families. I have a Vitamix. The truth is I don't use it a whole lot. Um, I, I just, I, I use it for certain things. I have an Instant Pot. I'm not great at using it. I was the generation where our parents had, you know, pressure cookers that blew up. So I use it for certain things and not for other things. Um, I, I recently got the um, Vitamix food processor attachment but quite honestly, I bought a very small little food processor at Aldi. And most of the time that works for me. I'm a kitchen gadget junkie. And when I went through the process in the last year or so of moving, I downsized a lot in my kitchen and I keep it very basic and very simple. Um, that goes with how I, I do my food. I'm, I'm much more minimalist now. Um, I used to buy all the gadgets. You know, this one would say buy this, buy that, buy this. I'm very careful now with what I buy, and it has to have a real use for me. So I've given away tons of gadgets. Well, that just goes to show you that you don't need to accumulate a lot of gadgets in order to make this lifestyle work for you. When you said, I'm just making food for one, I just pictured your beautiful bowl <laughs> of food. <laughs> I'm just making food for one. <laughs> yeah. a family of six. <laughs> yeah. So Apple says, thank you, Amy and Carol. I'm going to start journaling more consistently. It sounds like a key activity. Well, it's critical yeah. for me. And I will tell you, there are times when I go, oh, I have to sit down and write again. And I sometimes say, it's the lather, rinse, repeat cycle, but it's what works. So I just get over it and I write, you know, this is because it makes me think about what am I going to eat for the next two days? because my water saute is a two day batch. Yep, and that's another good tip because if you always have meals that are coming up for the next few days, there's not going to be a time when you'll say, oh, I'm so hungry and I'm, or I don't have enough time, so I have to do something. So it seems like you're always ahead. You're always ahead. Yeah, batch cooking is important. I always have things that I can go to in the freezer. Um, when I make a big pot of stew, um, I freeze half of it I eat half of it for however long it lasts. 
So, you know, um, failing to plan is planning to fail. So that's where the journal's also a part of that. I, I have to keep myself on track. That food addict is just waiting for me to stumble and I don't want that to happen. So I work pretty hard at this. Well, thank you for that. Hopefully you're talking to all the food addicts that are sitting on people's shoulders that are watching or listening and giving them fair warning that if you plan this out and, and execute some of the recommendations that you have, this could be great strategies for everyone. I really want to thank you, Carol. You are not somebody that's on social media. You're not selling books or anything. You don't have anything that you're trying to promote except for this healthy lifestyle. And Kathy told me about you and you were kind enough to come on and share your story just for the pure reason of saying that there are other people that are like this and you too can be this way. You can overcome your food addictions to the point where they don't control your life, but they're always going to be on your shoulder. But you can achieve the improved health and the weight loss, and you don't have to be anybody who went and ran marathons afterwards. You can just be a person that is going to trying to live the best and healthiest life that you can, like Carol is doing, and, I, and you're just such a great inspiration. I wanted to also thank somebody who's been in the background that I talked about, and that's Rebecca from PKA Solves. And she has been engineering this whole thing, putting up the questions. Hi, Rebecca, and been such a help so that I could enjoy my time with Carol. Now, stay tuned for a special announcement. I wanted to also thank Jess from Just Has Voice. She did the countdown and the promos, but also, and most important, I want to thank all of you that are watching, listening, sharing, you're commenting, you're subscribing. Without you, I wouldn't have any reason to be here or to have Carol on. And you are the reason that we're here. We want to share this lifestyle and we would like for you to share this broadcast and others like it so that we can make our little ripple in the world and make some changes because there are people out there that need to hear this. And the more that we like and subscribe, the more it comes up on the internet so other people can hear it. Just Test Voice, can you please tell us who's coming up next? David Stack inspires and educates new gardeners to grow their own food and help them shorten the learning curve using organic methods. Bring your questions on Wednesday, August 25th, 6.30 p.m. Eastern, 3.30 Pacific on Be Green with Amy Live. And if you will join me and Carol, if you can type in the comments my tagline, be strong, be well, and be green, and I'm going to say it with Carol as we say goodbye. Until we see you again, remember... Be strong, be strong, be well, and be, be green. green. <laughs> Bye, everyone.